0: Welcome to episode 11 of Sports to Business Podcast. Today, I chat with three-time Olympian and a CFL football player, Jesse Lumsden. Welcome back, folks, to the Tanvir Bangu Podcast. My name is Tanvir, head of technology and a former college football champion. Through each episode and special guest, we show you how you can leverage principles in sports to help you win in the business world. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Jesse Lumsden is a McMaster product and a Heck Crichton trophy winner, was invited to the East-West Shrine Bowl game, and was drafted 6th overall in the CFL draft in 05, and then spent some time with the NFL's Seattle Seahawks and Washington Redskins, and later played for Hamilton Ticats, Edmonton, and Calgary. In 2010 Winter Olympics, Jesse made his debut as a member of Pierre Laudeur's bobsleigh team and as a brakeman for the two-time Olympic medalist, Lumsden recorded a pair of fifth place finishes in the two-man and four-man events. Lumsden then appeared in the Winter Olympics in 2014 and 2018. In 2012, won the two-man silver at the 2012 World Championships. He also won the 2012 and 2013 overall World Cup title in the two man event, and in 2014 pushed Justin Cripps to a two man silver at Lake Placid that December before the two of them won the silver at the 2017 World Championships. Lumsden now oversees strategic partnerships for a fintech startup, Neo Financial, founded by the founders of Skip the Dishes in Canada. In this episode, some of the things that Jesse Lumsden and I chat about include how being humble is actually a strength, how Jesse worked through countless injuries one after another and kept moving forward, how he made the transition from football to bobsleigh, and why instant gratification is always a mistake. As you're listening and if something resonates with you, make sure to share this with a friend or a colleague Or if you can relate, share this on your Instagram stories and tag me at Tandria.Bangu or comment on my LinkedIn or Instagram post with your review. And remember to visit my website at TandriaBangu.com for a ton of free content and exercises. All right, team, super excited to jump into this episode with Jesse Lumsden. Jesse Lumsden, welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you on.
1: Thanks for having me. This is a it's a good way to start the day.
0: You are a record holder at McMaster, high Crichton winner, CFL 6th overall, um spent some time in the NFL, three-time Olympian and a two-time silver medal world champion. Um, I'm so I'm so excited to dive into all these things on this podcast. So really really appreciate you uh, jumping on.
1: Of course, my pleasure.
0: Um, so quickly, Jess, what are you up to nowadays and then what are you working on?
1: Sure, I it's been about a it's coming up to a year now, but uh, I joined uh, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Adamson, who you should definitely have on the podcast, uh, who is one of the co-founders of uh, and, and key members of really uh, starting building and then um, eventually exiting Skip the Dishes. Uh, and we are working on a new project, uh, Neo Financial, based out of Calgary. Ah, uh, where we're really uh, redefining the consumer financial space um, as a, as a, you know, if you want to put a, put us in a bucket as a fintech or as a, mm-hmm. as a challenger bank. So uh, that's really the, the, the focus right now. Um, yeah, and we can dive into that a little bit too. But it's, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a great team to be a part of for sure.
0: Awesome. No, I, I remember I chatted with Jeff a couple of times because we, we used to skip the dishes at some of the places I worked at before. And, mm-hmm. and I can I can know exactly what you mean when you're like, you know, building something and then growing it and exiting out. So I think i um, really actually excited to learn about that as well uh, as we get on the show here. Um, you bet. Before, before we dive into, into there, Jesse, you know, I would just love to learn a little bit more about how you got started in your career, going back to like university days. And what was sure. it that differentiated you to embark on this amazing supports career that you've been on?
1: I, I made the decision when I was about 16 years old that I wanted to play professional football as my career. And, um, you know, I was very, very fortunate to have, uh, a father who played professionally and be surrounded by some pretty good people at my high school that, you know, uh, helped a, a few of us really try to pursue that dream. And, um, the dream at that point when I was 16 was to get a scholarship to the NCAA and that didn't happen. Uh, the schools that I were ta- I was talking to back then um, wanted me to change position and come in as a redshirt. So I was a running back um, and I was not necessarily a prototypical running back being six foot three, uh, quite, you know, quite long, lanky. Um, so a lot of the scouts uh, from universities saw me changing over to a safety or a linebacker. I never played the position in my life. um canada welcomed me as a running back and you know i ended up at mcmaster and uh under greg marshall marshall um ted gavaya was the the man who really helped bring bring me in uh, i came in with a great recruiting class and i was coming in behind some very very talented uh you know athletes and and running backs and um that was my first realization of, of checking um having a good ego check because uh, I wanted to play right away. I wanted to play football. Um, and, you know, I was being told by certain universities that I'd start as a rookie and this, that. And, um, you know, it was Coach Marshall and, you know, the sage advice from uh, my dad and other people that said, listen, you're wet behind the ears. You're 18. You're barely 200 pounds. You're going to play against young men now. And uh, you're going to go and uh, at McMaster, you're going to go learn from guys like Kyle Pierre and Kojo Adu, who's a heck right winner And you're going to develop and you're going to get your opportunities. And this is where you're going to build some resiliency. So that's, you know, that helped a lot. And, uh, you know, I played, I carried the ball a little bit, played some special teams my first two years. And then I really got the opportunity to start in my third year. And um, with our O line, uh, we, you know, um, just gave the OUA both barrels. Like it was awesome. We, you know, we, it was to the point where we knew they knew what we were going to do and that we were okay with it. We still did it yeah
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i remember i think you had like 1400 yards that in both those seasons i think something like that
1: something like that yeah Yeah. i'm not the i'm you're not wrong person to ask about personal stats stats. i don't know (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) oh that's a that's what i love about you man um right after football i know you you went to the cfl uh nfl and then um you know along your career i really want to dive into this right away you've had a lot of injuries, right? I, mm-hmm. saw, I saw that game at Edmonton where you worked your ass off, you came back, and I think the second play of the game, you hurt your shoulder again, right? Mm-hmm. What allowed you to keep on going through all the shit that you've been through?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think, um, you know, I didn't know anything else, but, to, you know, like as, as uh, Alfred says to, to Master Wayne, what do you – what do you do when you fall down? What do you? What's the most important thing when you fall down? It's the first thing you got to do is get back up. And
0: yeah,
1: um, you know everybody's gonna fall down, and it's you can either get stuck in a you know a, a, at the bottom of that sort of loop, that progression loop. Um, you know Ray Dalio talks about a progression loop. If you fail, you go through the sequence of learning and progressing, and how quickly that happens depends on you know one your resiliency, two your ability to problem solve. But for me. Uh, it's, I didn't, you know, I, I wanted to get back. I wanted to keep going. I loved what I was doing and I didn't want a setback to stop me from doing what I was doing. Uh, it just became that that setback came to, you know, I had never experienced a major injury before, sprained ankle here and there, but, um, in Hamilton, that first time when I just kept dislocating my shoulder, eventually the staff said, okay, we're just going to shut you down. Um, that was the first time that happened, came back too quick, but I wanted to get back fast, you know, halfway through the season. Same problem happened. Uh, and then going to Edmonton, but it was interesting enough is it was that at that time that it was, I was going to go into free agency. Um, I was talking to Edmonton and, uh, Canada reached out and it was about 11 months before the 2010 Olympic games. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought, you know, of anything of it, but I was done my surgery. I was done my shoulder surgery. Um, I was getting ready to get healthy and I was still really focused on football and it was my dad that said go there for two weeks, train with Olympic athletes that you've never done before in a different sport, in a different environment, you'll learn something. Uh, And very quickly I fell in love with the idea of becoming and representing team, you know, a a Team Canada athlete and worked with Bob Bobsleigh Canada to make it work and, you know, went out to Edmonton and was expecting to play a whole season and win the great cup and then transition over to the Olympics. And then, as you said, game one, Shadik Sabaz hit me like right in this perfect spot. And I dislocated my shoulder in a way that I'd never dislocated before. It was, was posteriorly and it was stuck and it wouldn't come back in. Um, and I walked off the field and walked into the locker room and went to the hospital and needed another surgery. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of guys
0: um, and, you know, I look at, sports but also in business right like you have a couple of failures people just just pack it in and and it's like they just say you know what this is not for me this is not the right thing to do i can't keep going you've been through that i think like four times in cfl and then we'll get to the olympic piece as well because i know you've been through adversity there as well what is one thing that you've taken from your experience in sports that you've then applied at neo financial for example that lets you keep delivering results
1: I, i think it's more of a mentality uh, you know, I it's and it being you know being a team sport driven person and, and being coming from you know that idea of wanting to accomplish something great requires a process, um, and it doesn't matter what it is whether you want to be the best teacher, the best doctor, the best athlete, the uh, best employee, best politician. It requires a process, and you need to be able to see what that looks like and understand what that looks like, and then be able to work your way backwards from that to where you're actually sitting, and and then understand that okay you have a roadmap but understand that that roadmap is going to change and this is where you're going to build your resiliency it's going to be these hurdles that you come across um, these impediments that are going to stand in your way um, that's going to test your mettle as a person and as a athlete and as a doctor and what you do at that point is then becomes the most important thing in your life uh, if you still consider accomplishing that goal uh, and that's where I think. Um, is really, those are the skills that I learned as an athlete that have helped me in transition into corporate. And, you know, before Neo, I was in working with a small private equity group on the business development side, not a finance background. Uh, But again, it's one of those things, okay, I don't need to become an analyst to be in this position, but I need to become dangerous enough. What do I need to learn? What do I need to do? And then setting out that path to go do it. Um, I mean, I, you know, I'm
0: in the tech side, right. And a lot of times it's like the, everything that people keep saying is like, I, oh, I don't know how to code. I can't go in the technology world. I don't know how to, what, what all these things mean on the technology side, I can't go in the tech world. I mean, I come from a business background and I not the exact same thing. Learn enough to be dangerous. Right. Um, a lot of people actually get scared when they say, holy shit, I got to learn all this stuff. And, And even though it's, it's not, it's not very deep, they still have to learn. Enough. So, I mean, what do you do? Like, or you know, example, when you went to the finance role, how do you know what exactly you had to learn to be dangerous enough to then go and execute on that?
1: Yeah, asking questions. You know, I'm coming in, and I got into that position through uh, a mentorship that, that that invited me to come out, and I said, oh. okay, so you know what you know about me, uh, you know I don't i didn't i didn't study this in school what do i need to learn and then spending the time asking being curious asking the right questions and and being honest um you know and that's okay it's better to admit when you don't know something than to try to fake your way through it because people see through that especially really good people so you know admitting that you don't know it and very early on uh Finance and, and oil and gas have the most acronyms of, uh, of any industries that I've ever come across. <laughs> yeah. So I had a in my notebook, um, and this is something that my mentor, Chad taught me. He said, as you're taking notes and acronyms come up, just keep going through them, write it down, go look it up. As soon as you get out of that meeting and you're doing your, your post-meeting debrief. Um, and it's just figuring that out and it's being, and, it, and it's learning as you go and continuing to be curious. Um, so th- those are, yeah, I mean, anytime you go into something new, especially when you get older, it becomes more of a daunting experience. The older you yeah. get and you, you're at the bottom of a ladder again, um, it's, uh, it can be very humbling, but also it's, you know, it gives you an opportunity to check your ego and figure out what you need to do. And again, build out that process.
0: One thing that you did mention mention is, is starting from the bottom and being humble. What do you have to say for all the folks that are looking at instant gratification nowadays?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, i watched some of the social dilemma. I have two young kids. Um, It's definitely, it's definitely one of those things that uh, it's, it's scary as a parent, but it's also as somebody who didn't grow up with these sort of, um, whether you platforms and tools, uh, it's understanding that it's just another, it can be another, you can use it as a tool or you can use it as a distraction, like anything. And if it's not providing you value, then it is going to be a distraction. If it's a too much of a distraction, then get rid of it. If it's, if, it, if it's not important enough, that's going to help you accomplish something, then push it aside. You can still use distractions. You need distractions. It's yeah. You need those balances, but distractions and what we're seeing with instant gratification and social media is that, um, it's becoming a distraction to the point where it's disruptive to not only progress, but also to person. And that's where, you know, having the people around you and and recognizing that and being able to remedy those things is is very, very important.
0: Yeah. I think, I think the big thing you're touching on is like being self aware, right? A lot of times, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times when, when they're young, younger folks, younger leaders that, you know, sometimes come up to me and like, I like to get promoted in the next six months. I just started this role. Um, I've delivered results. I'm like, this is not the way the world works. Like you have to come in, you gotta, you gotta progress. You gotta, you got all these different gaps you gotta, you know, work on. But a lot of times when they try to tell me why they believe they should get promoted right away, it's not actually their fault. It's just all the stuff that they've been accustomed to in the past mm-hmm. 10 years. Right. So I think yeah. having that ability to be self-aware is going to go a long way. Um, Absolutely. you know, I, I'm really, really curious, Jesse, to, to understand from when you started Neo financial. Uh, and uh, you know you're you're an athlete, and, and you're you have two young kids. You're a neo financial. You're learning a brand new, you know, business the business model, and you're still training. How do you find time to do everything? Like, what do you do very tactically that allows you to keep your life in check?
1: Well, thankfully, I'm done. I'm done training now, so that's I can scratch that off the things to do. And now it's uh, you know I was a guy before joining Neo where I, I did like having a lot of balls in the air. Um, Whether it was commentary and public speaking and working at resource, um, only having one child, but having now two kids at home, two young kids, uh, and understanding that my balance and priorities need to change. Uh, So really the last year when I joined the team at NEO, uh, I quickly realized that uh, it's no different than training for the Olympic Games um you may not see the you, know, you may not see your olympic games for years down the road and it's not a set date but it's the same it's the same thing so when you're there and you're training and you're focusing and you're building and you're working that's what you have to be committed to and then uh at the other side of it it's it's family and those are my two priorities in my life right now is is my family and neil and the good thing is is that you know um there are other people that have young families uh, and we are in this together so Um, You know, being one of the older guys at Neil, that's one thing you learn very quickly coming into a tech company. It is (laughs) a lot of baby faces, a lot of youngsters, uh, but very, very talented people. And trying to remember that when I was 25, I was doing something different and that's okay. I'm now Mm -hmm. 38 and I'm doing something different and I just have to be able to figure out how I can add the most value to um, you know, to my work and also make sure that I'm being the best dad and partner that I can be at home. Um, so it's just, and it's not getting caught up in that. It's, you know, it's, it it is funny because from a personal, personal side of things, you know, um, I go home to my family, I want to put my kids to bed and I want to have some fun. And, you know, you see the other youngsters, they're grinding away. And I, you know, I was like, Oh, I should be doing that. But I already did that. And I can still do that. I just have to do it a little bit differently. Being there a little bit earlier it's doing it in hours and maybe sacrificing wow. going fishing for a weekend and staying home and, and getting some extra things done so it's uh there's still the ability to do that but it's just different and finding the way to do it is uh it's it's depending on the person
0: how important do you think that is um to having the right company that you're working for allow you to do that as well because there are businesses out there believe it or not that actually even though the results are there, they're actually on FaceTime. So you have yeah. to be in the office for X number of hours. Right. So like, how would you say the organization you work for, the values that you align to, is that something that you think allows you to do this and should people be aligning yeah. themselves to better culture values as well?
1: Well, culture is a big we've you know, we work hard on our culture at NEO and it's very uh, upfront that we work hard. We work fast. We like working hard and fast, um, but we also have fun and we care about our people and we care about each other. And, uh, you need to, yeah, some people want to, some people feel like they need to have that FaceTime, although it may not matter as much, uh, FaceTime is, is important, but now we're moving into a, a realm where, uh, re- working remotely is becoming mm-hmm. more and more common. So you're losing on that opportunity for uh, face-to-face interaction and you have to find different ways to do it. And it's just what it really comes down to is communication and being able to communicate and update and stay focused on, on what you're working on. I don't know if you can hear in the background, Rowan is having a bit of a, a meltdown, so hopefully yeah. it's not <laughs> no, too okay, distracting okay. for you. <laughs> no, yeah, really, he's fine, I'm, he's just a yeller and yeah, he's yeah. just talking. So. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Um, I, I mean, I, I've been through the, you know, like we all went through this pandemic, right? And we all went through remote working. You played sports your entire life. You know, I played in university. We love being around people, around teammates. I felt that when I was at home on Zoom calls all day long, I did miss that aspect of it, right? What do you do personally to keep yourself sane from that perspective that you're not going to meet a lot of people, you're going to be on Zoom calls all day? How do you still make sure that mentally you're, you're, you know, you're, you're good in these kind of times?
1: The good thing at Neo right now is we've done everything we can to get the teams back together. Um, so we've taken up some more space and allowed us to work in an environment that we are still, uh, you know, Focused on the safety of, uh, you know, the, the everybody involved at Neo, and while being in that team environment and being uh, respect, respectful of other people's space, but also, um, you know, credit to to the teams at Neo's of, of being prepared in case you know something does happen. So we run we run uh, drills that allow us to um, very quickly pick up and go work from home in case something were to happen. Uh, so we don't skip a beat. So again, it goes back to it's like it's like football practice, you know, doing your yeah. two minute drill. Doing doing the two minute drill on Thursday. It's you don't know when you're gonna need it, but you're ready when you do. Uh, so it's taking a, a look at the bigger picture and understanding for us to be successful in this new world. There's gonna be some different hurdles that we need to figure out.
0: Is, is he always being prepared, right? Uh, I think yeah. it's, it's it comes comes naturally to athletes. What is the one hard skill? that you've taken from sports, Jesse, and applied it to your business career?
1: It's a good question. I think he, I learned more about uh, becoming better as a strategic planner uh, once I got into amateur sport because there is uh, more external uh, factors that come into your ability to um, do your job, whether it's fundraising, whether it's you know finding external resources like coaches and Nutritionists were in professional sport, all of that is in house. Uh, so that was a, that was probably one of the bigger aspects of it. I think, just
0: for the listeners, when you see amateur sport, that's bobsled for yeah. Canada.
1: Yeah, it's Team Canada. You know, when you, the bobsled world, when you're competing in, in, uh, as an athlete for Team Canada, it's considered amateur sport. Olympic sport is still, even though professionals are competing, it's still considered amateur sport.
0: I, I think people realize that there's a lot more than just training that goes in your sport, as you said, right? Like finding your own like fundraising, getting the resources. Um, so that's 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 very uh, very impressive. Um, I know we're running short on time, Jesse, but we would love to learn a bit about your Olympic career overall. So if you can just walk through what that looked like, how many years you you were there, and some of the successes.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I competed for Team Canada for nine years in three games, Olympic games. Um, I, I really like the fact that, you know, I went from a position, um, the roles changed for me quite a bit when I went from football to bobsleigh. And I'll just very quickly explain why is as a running back or a quarterback, you're uh, you have an O-line there to protect you and help you do your job. Uh, and I was, you know, I, I didn't have the success I had with, you know, I had the success I had because of my O-line. I had great guys that helped me tremendously. You know pave the way that allowed me to, to run the ball um getting into bobsleigh as a crewman the role has now changed your crew is essentially the three to four guys on a team your job is to take care of your pilot make sure the sled is everything every, the sled's ready everything's done the pilot has everything he or she needs and then your job is at the start at the very top and then you're and you give your pilot the best start you can so he can navigate the track with the most velocity so I really enjoyed that aspect of, of that role because I was very appreciative of how hard, how much work it was for an O-line, but how collaborative it was and how, you know, the guys up front really um, prided themselves on, you know, working together, not being in the spotlight, just being yeah. grinders and getting it done. Yeah. Uh, and it was the same mentality when you get onto that crew because you're sort of the, the roadies and the athletes at the same time. Um, and, and really, again, that team dynamic really appreciated that aspect of it. Um, the competition itself, I love competing. So being able to compete all over the world against athletes from all over the world, uh, you know, I love that aspect of it. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can have animosity towards other countries, but it's you versus the clock and it's, and and that's the way the sport works. So you can't get actually upset at other teams or nations because again, it's, it's you. It's you and your teammates on the block and it's you versus the clock and versus yourself. So um, it's a very unique sport in that sense. Uh, and then just being the the ability to represent Canada was something I never thought I'd be able to do. And it, it is the, the, you know, it fills me with pride to still think about it, um, you know, to wear the Maple Leaf and uh, to, to, to be able to have to, to have been able to do that for so long, especially after having an athletic career already. Yeah.
0: Whenever I chat with professional you know, athletes that have great records and them this question, what allowed you to succeed? They all say, you know, my training, my nutrition, et cetera. The reason that you are where you are in your career today, Jesse, I know now, and you're the most humble person I've met. You never once said it was you. You always said it's your O line. And that just speaks volumes of all the accomplishments that you've achieved.
1: I appreciate it. But it, but it's true. Like I, it's, if, yeah, I was a part of, I was a part of a unit. But you remove yeah. three of those people from that unit and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. It's the end of the story. There's no, you know, that's the reality of the situation. So, um, it's, uh, it, I only say it because it's the truth. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Um, before we end the podcast, Jesse, what is one piece of advice you'd have for a lot of young leaders trying to build a career in this crazy, changing, uncertain world?
1: You got to be resilient and I and resiliency doesn't come from reading books or um you know you know it, it's not it's not bestowed upon you when you're born um you have to you're forged by fire so you got to find ways to to put yourself into situations that are uncomfortable um you know you hear the navy seal phrase uh be comfortable being uncomfortable, be uncomfortable. um and, and and it's very very true because uh there's a lot of people in this world there's a lot of people trying to do great things but there's not a lot of people willing to do the real shitty stuff and the really the the, the grungy and the grimy stuff and the stuff that other that, that the most don't want to do and that's what separates really a lot of the pack that I found you know when I see it from um my teammates that I was with with uh, other people that I played against uh, you know I look at the the guys that hearing the stories about skip and how they scaled and built skip. Um, you know, my mentor, what he had done with his, his company, uh, Paysetter directional it's it's it always goes back to the stuff that separated them is they were willing to do things that were harder and that were more arduous, um, than competitors and they didn't look for quick fixes. You know, they relied on the, the people to do it pretty simple. I mean, Uh, And and that can be taken in the wrong context as well, Uh, that doesn't mean deception. That doesn't mean, you know, cheating and lying (laughs) and everything like that. It means um, I know some people will take that back as as that. Yeah, well, I mean, and the reality is, is like a lot of people won't will do a lot of nasty stuff to get to the top. But I mean, rolling up your sleeves and, you know, uh, you know, I hear the story of the Skip the Dishes guys you know their project managers and you know executives essentially going around the country putting stickers up on windows of restaurants you know that's something that um a lot of leaders wouldn't do do. Yeah. yeah but again it goes back to if you're a good leader you'd never ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do yourself so um yeah it's don't be afraid to roll up those sleeves in an inner world of instant gratification as we talked about uh, the good things don't come instantly.
0: Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Um, I'm leaving this podcast inspired. So good to have <laughs> you here and, and finally, finally chat with you. So, so thank you. Thank you again for, for jumping on.
1: Really enjoyed it. And I, I you know, I can't wait to see what you're going to continue to do. And I'm excited to see, I, I love seeing the updates on LinkedIn, who, who you're having on and listening in. And, uh, you have some very, very talented, inspiring people on your podcast. So c- kudos to you.
0: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks team for listening. Really hope you found this podcast valuable and can leverage some of the content in your day to day. Please remember to leave a review, subscribe on YouTube and sign up for a ton of free content, exercises, coaching, and frameworks at tanvirabengu.com.